We have been looking over the last month at this book, this letter to the Church in Ephesians. We're closing it with chapter 3, having already done six chapters. The reason being that this book was divided in two parts. First, who we are in Christ, and the second part, how to live in that way. But somewhere in the middle, Paul writes and he draws all this together. And then just kind of, oh, by the way, if, if you're like that in Christ, this is how you must do. So I've moved it to the back to, to close this series. And in this chapter, Paul is very much talking about his own experience, his meeting with Christ and how Christ has used him. But it's one that we can apply to ourselves as the closure to our study of this letter to the church in Ephesus. This letter means as much to us today as it did to that church in the first century. And so Paul starts, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus, for you Gentiles. There's a division here, Paul. Uh, took the gospel to the Gentile church and he, he fathered the church. While Peter went and his mission was to the Jews. And so the, the gospel went in, in both directions. There was a, a division between the, the two sects, Christians and the Jews. But God was catering for both of them, through Paul and through Peter. He says, if indeed you heard the dispensation of God which was given to me for you, how that revelation he made known to me the mystery. There was a mystery in Christ. A mystery as far as Paul was concerned. Why on earth does Christ want me to work for him? Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Jesus identified himself in Acts chapter 9, verse 5. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And this is a wonderful statement to Jesus, uh, from Jesus, and it's a wonderful statement for us. Because here, Jesus was identifying himself with the church. It was the church that Paul was persecuting. Persecuting the leaders of the church, persecuting the members of the church. And Jesus here has said, you are persecuting me. He's identifying himself with the church, the Gentile church. And he identifies with you and me today. Because as we've discovered as we've gone through the letter that we are the chosen people. Those who are the followers of Jesus Christ, those, those who accepted that sacrifice on the, on the cross, are chosen. Because of that sacrifice, our sins are forgiven. Because of that sacrifice, we can look forward to eternal life. 
And so Jesus was identifying with the Christian church that Paul had been persecuted. And that's a mystery. Why does God love me so much when I'm such an idiot? Look back every nearly 80 years and I've seen the stupid things I've done. And yet God still loves us. And He loves each one of us. And He identifies with us as individuals and He identifies with us as a church. And then He goes on to say, which in other ages has not been made known to the Son of Man as it now been revealed by the Spirit to his apostles and to the Gentiles that should be fellow heirs. I just want to make an aside comment here because he is actually saying fellow heirs. Remember, he's talking to Gentiles. Paul is talk, uh, Peter is talking to the Jews. Sometimes there's this sort of replacement theology that we've replaced the Jews. God loves them. And one day they're going to turn to him. We are fellow heirs, those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, God's people. And we are fellow heirs in the kingdom when we accept the Lord Jesus as our Savior. To me, I'm less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. So Paul here is recognizing that it is just by grace. He had done absolutely nothing to earn the position that he had, except the belief from his enthusiasm, which to that point had been misguided. But God could see beyond his actions. He can see beyond our actions. He can see the potential that is within us. And he can use that potential. And he has got the grace to do so. And this letter is all about grace. It's about the grace of God. It's a great faith his love for us. How do you feel I'm the least of all the saints? And I love this because Paul was a very proud person. He was a person who dominated. He was a person that was a leader. He was a person that felt he had the power to put the world to rights. And suddenly realized it's not me putting the world to rights. And yet he had the grace to choose him. Because of his background and history, he would, in earthly terms, neither be qualified or entitled to the position that God had given him. And there's a lesson for us, a big lesson here. It's a lesson for us, whatever our background. None of us should ever say, I'm hopeless. Sometimes we, we put ourselves down and I can't do that. I'm, I'm 
I'm not worthy, I'm not any good. You are. God told the unworthy. He told Paul, who was unworthy, to come and work for him. And God calls each one of us, want each one of us to come and to serve him and to represent him. And we can continue that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all that is, is the what to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. We're all called. We're all called to be God's servants, to be God's representatives. To show others the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. What was until he came, Jesus came, that we were able to see and know. In the Old Testament there were many symbols. I said before, the, the Old Testament is, is a big story that leads to the cross. It's not about history, it's not about the Jews, not about us, it's about Jesus. It's about God wanting to bring the earth back to the place that he created in the beginning. And there are many symbols, the temple, actions, that all symbolise the Lord Jesus Christ. But it wasn't until he came that there was a tangible reality that we could see God in person. Until then, he was too big, he was too far away for us to understand, but then he came to earth as a man. And we could see, and we could understand. He came to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the church, to the principalities, the powers, and the heavenly places. A witness to all creation. We must realize that the, the Christian church is not made up of mirrors in which we look and we, we see ourselves. It's very easy to do that, but over the ages many church groups have done that. They, they've been looking in on themselves as if the walls had mirrors. You know, the Christian church is made up of windows we can count, that we can be seen, that we can show Christ to the world. And it's our Christian duty, therefore, to make Christ known to the world, each one of us, it's our Christian duty. And we're not useless, we're useless to God. And Paul goes on to say, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father, the Lord of our Jesus Christ. He honours him. The one that he fought against, he now honours. And it says then that uh, to his glory to be strengthened with the might through, through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, 
and you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Every dimension, every dimension of our lives, every dimension of this world is filled with the love of God and the fullness. And sometimes we can narrow it down a little bit. And I, I think of the, the parable of the treasure hidden in the field. Have you ever thought about that? What did the man do? He went out and he bought the field. He didn't just have the treasure, he had the whole, whole field. And in Christ it isn't narrowed down to one little spot where we have the whole field his grace, his love, of the kingdom. Very widely spread. But then it, it takes time. Every one of us is at different stages. Different stages of our, our walk in, um, in within the church, within Christ. Different stages within our age. It comes in bits and pieces to us. You know, a starving person doesn't have a wacky great beard all in one go. They have a little bit, a little bit, and gradually they build up, they build up strength until they become normal. We're not experts in DIY of creation. We're subjects of God's craftsmanship. And I'm going to quote Alex again, the church is a workshop. So, when I'm an idiot, please be patient with me. Paul's still working. We as church family should long for the fullness of God within our community. We should be hungry, we should be starving, we should be feeding until we pray. And so we come together, we come together on a Sunday morning, it's a, it's a Sabbath. And the, the Sabbath is not just a day of rest. It's a day of restoration. It's a day when we can teach, we can worship, we can pray together, and we can encourage and strengthen one another. Because without all those things, why do we come here? We come to be together as one body. We come for all those things, we come to learn, we come to worship, we come to be with each other and encourage. And so, with that, as people in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't lose hope. We're in a desperate world, very desperate now. But because we know that the story will be finished, when Jesus comes again, we have a hope, we have a future, and we can look forward to it. We can look at the world today and think it's hopeless, it's falling apart. My brother, who isn't a Christian, a Christian, in fact, he's opposite, he believes in all sorts of weird things. Um, 
talking about the change of the sea. And he said, the world's going to destroy itself and then it will start all over again. How true. <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it going to get worse. And Jesus is coming again and we do start all over again. He was speaking the truth out of opposition. And we look forward to that day. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. That's a wonderful verse. How much can he do in you? How much can he do in me if we let him? Whatever he asks you or me to do, he will give us the strength. He'll give us the knowledge. He'll give us the wisdom to do more than we can ever imagine. We are useless. And useful in the Lord Jesus Christ. Martin Lloyd Jones, the great preacher, wrote these words, nothing gives such glory to God as the Christian church. There is nothing that proclaims the glory of God as the Christian church, the body of which Christ himself has the head. Nothing is so wonderful than the fact that men and women such as you and I are, men and women who are steeped and lost and dead in sin, should become the members of the body of Christ. Having completed this lesson, Paul rounded it off, having stated who we are in Christ, having stated how we should live, and having reassured us in this chapter of the grace of Lord Jesus Christ. We need to close by asking ourselves questions. Do you know who you are? Do you know that you are one with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know that in Him you are fully human? One day we will materially end when Jesus comes. not only human, we are fully human. That's how God created us and will recreate us. And in the second part of the letter, do you know what you're here? What is your purpose? What has God called you to do? Mm -hmm. And how do you that? Who are you? And what are you here for? We are one in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are one in Him, one body. Why? Because He made that sacrifice. Because He came to earth that we might see Him. That we might understand Him. But He also came to earth to pay the price for our sins. 
that we may have that privilege of restoration. That we may have that hope of the future. And that we might have the spirit within us to live as individuals and as a church, as he's called us to. And in doing so, he left symbols for us. At the Last Supper, it was so simple. He took bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Simple piece of bread. It was a, such a great And then he took wine and said, this is my blood, which was shed for you. That he could fulfill the covenant and pay for our sins. And so he left this ordinance for us that we might remember. There are times in our lives when we do forget. We do get carried away with things and we forget who we are and what was done for us. But we have this reminder to bring us back as God promises. God loves us and God tolerates us. So this morning if you believe that the Lord Jesus died for you, that after three days he rose to death and he lives lives within us and ask for anything. And take of these elements and remember that he did it for you, he did it for you personally. If you don't believe that, just let it pass by, no one's going to judge you. If you do, take it.